Welcome to the Butts and Seeds Podcast, episode number 32. Woo, and more importantly... It's one year. We've been doing this podcast for a whole year. This is our one year marker. And because we are ahead of 26, we actually release this more than every other week. Yeah, I mean, our schedule is weird, and I'm hoping that within year two, we kind of regulate that out. But yeah, it's been a year. What a wild year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we probably could have done more this month, but we went on vacation. A well-deserved and much-needed vacation. We went to the spot of a a couple uh, WCW tapings. (laughs) Not for the purpose of going to a WCW venue. We went to Disney World! Woo! Went to Disney World for a whole week! And Universal. And Universal We could not get uh, tickets to AEW. Yeah, we actually did look into it. We did try to see if there was a show for AEW. I did see... That um, there will be AEW shows like this coming week in Orlando. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't help, though. Nah. And I'm going to say right off the bat, uh, my voice is a little hoarse today, and I might like cough or sniffle because I'm getting over a vacation cold. It's not the uh, virus that must not be named because we've tested negative for that, but I've got a frog in my throat and I can't get him out. Trying to think of. You're trying to make a frog pun? I was trying trying to think of famous Disney frogs, and I'm like. You know, like Kermit's not really a Disney the, character. The one that holds the "Hello, my baby," "Hello, my honey," "Hello, that's, my ragtime." That's Looney Tunes. Is that Looney Tunes? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was like Pinocchio or something. And then Mr. Toad is not a frog; he's a toad. I have a toad in my throat. How about that? Okay. You have Mr. Toad in your throat. <laughs> Mr. Toad's wild ride is in my throat. Yeah, he got so wild he ended up in your throat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, one year of doing the show though. Yeah, we've we've learned a lot about podcasting in general. Yeah, going going back and re-editing the uh, first episode, I was like, "Oh God, yeah, that was." Uh, Things have changed <laughs> for the better. Be trimmed up, and I don't know how, exactly what happened, but we figured out audio pretty quickly after that. But we did not figure it out before that. No, we. I remember when we started, we were messing with a whole bunch of different audio setups because remember we were doing this in our our apartment that was like literally about six hundred square feet at our dining room table and we had folder binder dividers in between us the very first time we recorded the unreleased pilot yeah because then i went all right what if we did this on the couches and then we were cozier and it sounded fine it sounded better (laughs) oh sidebar i didn't tell you um the dog that we had to work around Mm -hmm. for the original podcast they moved out and that house is up for sale oh i drove past it the other day there was a big for sale sign out front like we should buy it and get a really loud dog (laughs) You listen, Mac, more than I do. Can yeah. you hear the dog frequently in the episodes? A little bit. In, like, the very beginning. But we got pretty good about stopping and working around it. But, yeah, not much. It was more just an annoyance in the recording sessions. Yeah. Well, it was also annoying outside of that. Oh, my God. It was annoying in general. I've Thanks. never gone to an owner and be like, your dog is making me want to move. And the thing is, we love dogs. But this dog was the worst dog. <laughs> any favorite episodes? Or any standout episodes? <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, I I like our show. I'm biased. So, like, it's very narcissistic, but I used to listen to the show while I was working, like, as, like, background noise, like, just listening to us talk about wrestling. It was, it's narcissistic, thinking about it, like, listening to my own voice. It's kind of gross. But, I don't know, we just, I, I just enjoy the show. Do you have a least favorite show? <sighs> Not that I can think of off the top of my head, we, no. Because we joke that Super Brawl made me want to die. However... We got through Super Brawl in one take. That was not the case oh, for all of our God. episodes. I forgot about that. Oh, there was one recording that we like 
almost broke up because we were so mad at each other. Do you remember what the episode was? I don't remember what the episode was. Oh, it was a finger poke! Oh! Well, <laughs> the, the, the thing was... <laughs> it screwed up. I don't even remember screwed up in the Nitro or in the Raw, but we basically lost, like, an entire portion of the show. We lost... I think we lost the Nitro because we talked about the Nitro. We talked about the finger poke twice. I think we lost the Nitro. Well, no, but the Raw was after that. So I think I realized during the Raw that it wasn't recording anymore. We lost like an hour and a half of recording. And it was because one of our microphones wasn't plugged in. And we were like, ah, we don't need to wear headphones. It's fine. One of ours. (laughs) Not naming names. One of ours. The one who constantly is unplugging their microphone by accident. I not constantly unplug my microphone. I just, I fidget a lot. I actually did think about just... Because you could we could hear it slightly through my <laughs> thing. I'm like, okay, what if we just do an extensive recording session where you just, you just have to record your lines again? Oh, it was horrible. That was a very bad day because yeah. we did it that night. We like we re-recorded that night, and it's one of our least popular episodes too. Probably because like, we you could hear the malice in our voices towards each other because like, like we no, didn't hide the that people one. People starting well. it, I think it's just like, oh shit, three hours, I'm out. Fair. It was a long episode, so it wasn't even worth it. It wasn't worth it. Yeah, it was a stressful day. It was just a bad, especially because it was a bad show, and then we had to talk about it for literally like six hours. That was in a different apartment with a different setup. Yeah, and the dog was probably barking probably. too, elongating it. God, get me out of apartments. I need to move into a house. I hate apartments. I'm done with apartments. Before we get into the episode, considering this episode will come out on Halloween, Ooh. I thought it'd be fun to note our Halloween costumes for this year because yours actually ties into the podcast. And it'll be posted on our Instagram, so go check that out. So Emily, what are we going as? We're going as wrestlers from different eras. Kind of. So I am going as WCW Jericho, floof and all. And I'm very excited about it. We, I tried on the ensemble today before dinner and I look great. The floof is so good. And, and I'm going lazy and I'm doing John <laughs> Cena. Although I shaved for it. Yeah. Nick usually has a pretty good beard and he shaved down. I don't know why you shaved down so early because it is not Halloween when we're recording this. But you shaved down on Monday of this week. It's Wednesday. And you're just going to shave again. So like why? I wanted to live with it for a little bit. <laughs> But we're going to look very nice. Go check that out on our Instagram if you want to see the full ensemble together. Well, you can check it out, but I don't know if they'll be able to see me. I hate you. And with that, let's get into uh, the Monday Nitro, May 17th, 1999. Again, there is no May 10th Nitro. (laughs) Slice this in. Before we get into the episode, I just want to say this has been really fun, and I'm really happy that we made it a year. I hope you've had fun too, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really fun. I'm really glad that we actually decided to do this instead of just talking about it forever. And I hope we do it for as many years to come as there is wrestling to talk about. I just know in year two, I need to give you more matches to kind of run through. Because I think I've given yeah. you like one and I had to correct you <laughs> through most of it. The problem is even a year into this, I don't know the names of moves. So even when I'm writing down moves that I think are good, it's like Benoit flippy kick. Like it, no one knows what that is. <laughs> So that's the problem. But either way, I've learned a lot. You've learned a lot. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm really happy to be doing this with you. All right. And we're going to add a game to uh, today's episode. Oh, no. Because you struggle with this, and it's been a year, so I want to see how you do. When wrestlers come out, I want you to tell me, are they a heel or a face? 
Are we doing that today? Yes. That's hard. <laughs> so, let's start with the episode. It's the May 17th, 1999 Monday Nitro, live from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Weird crowd tonight. They're very hot at certain points, very dead at other points. Yeah, it is clear at certain points. they want to see Goldberg. Goldberg's not here tonight. Mm -mm. Goldberg potentially not here tonight because he is trying to renegotiate his contract. Oh, really? He is currently making $800,000 a year. Oh, poor man. And the rest of the main managers are making about a million and a half. I guess they're kind of guaranteed. And so... Like he was supposed to go on the Tonight Show and didn't go. That's why they sent Kevin Nash instead. Mm. So he's not on the show. It's kind of you know, it's not actually said, but like that's probably why. Yeah, because they really don't mention him at all in this episode either. I mean, he is the biggest star they have. Yes, but they don't like commentary doesn't really mention him. Yeah. Later on in the show, they talk about Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in a in a match that they just don't care about, which we'll get to. But they're just like, oh, yeah, we're here tonight in Cedar Rapids. I love this city. To which Bobby is like, really? Did you buy a house today? Which just implies you can't like a city without buying real estate. What the fuck, Bobby? It's free real estate. (laughs) So we open with Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, DDP, Asia, and Charles Robinson all arriving in a limo. Strap in because you're going to see Ric Flair this entire first half of this episode. Yeah. I'm sick of this man. Well, to be fair, somebody else will take over the second half of this episode. Yes, and I'm, I'm sick of that one too, but I'm mostly sick of Ric Flair. We then get the opening pyro, and then we go backstage after that to Charles Robinson swapping the nameplate on the president's door to Flair from Roddy Piper. Yeah. The leadership is really Which, like, confusing you know, right now. Great president not showing up for the start of the show, Roddy Piper. Yeah, he just like, rolls in halfway in. We then get the Nitro opening. And, God, the Nitro theme is just so bad. It's very unmemorable. Yeah, I was like, hum any notes from... No, that's the old one. And even then... Oh, is this a new one? I don't know. Even then, that that, that was half um, Baby Give It Up. <laughs> oh, it's called something else, too. I don't know what it is. The one from the uh, end of Kingsman. I don't remember that movie as well as you do. But yeah, it's it's just it's so bad and I, it's forgettable. It really is. There's just no rhythm to it. You can't hum it. No, you really can't. Again, this is why I used the old one as the intro. Music yeah, and for that's us. the problem is I know the the nitro theme that you put on the podcast, but I don't know the one of the episode that we literally watched today. We need to get a theme song. We really do. So we get Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan on commentary tonight, looking both looking kind of sweaty. You think so? I didn't see that. A little bit. We then get Mean Gene bringing out Ric Flair and company without DDP. He just kind of vanished in the interim. Yeah, he doesn't matter. He showed up in the limo and that was all he had to do for the morning. Not for the, for the morning. That's all he had to do for the beginning of the show. Well, I mean, they're in Iowa and it's like bright as day. It looks like noon for half the yeah. like, people arriving shots. I mean, it's May. No, I can't even say that it's... Daylight savings. Yeah, but the show starts at 8, so I guess in Iowa it would be 7, but like... So it could be, I mean, but, but not really. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be like sun dead top of the sky. Yeah. We get a uh, speed run version of Mean Woo by God G, and oh I'll play God, it here. Yeah. Mean Woo by God G! Yeah, he just like... He zoomed through Well, it. he tried to start it like three times, and Gene <laughs> just kept talking. Like we you saw the big breath, <laughs> like, fucking A, Gene. I'm trying to do my shit in, brother. We backed up to rewatch that because Nick was pointing out, like, when you could see him raring up and, like, taking the big breath to go. 
Like, by the time he finally went, he was probably so full of breath that he just had to get it out or yeah. he's going to, like, pass out. So he throws to Arn Anderson to talk first. Uh, Arn and his Glock tell it like it is. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that brings us so much joy. I have, like, six Glock references for, for Arn tonight. <laughs> the tire Glock. Yeah, the tire. <laughs> it doesn't even work. It doesn't, but... Just imagine if the tire Arn was a Glock. <laughs> Tell me he changes his wheels, he just shoots him. <laughs> Ugh, sorry, he says he's he says he tells it like it is. Brother. Says no. tonight Benoit Malenko will regain the tag team titles. Flair then gets fired up and says that he is the president, says Bishop has no right to make any calls in WCW. To which Mean Gene, as he's getting fired up, Mean Gene is like, We're gonna keep our clothes on, right? Yeah. He also notes that, like, I don't know, Roddy Piper might have something to say about that. If you were going into this episode hoping for clarity on who is running the show, I'm sorry, we have nothing for you. You don't get that. I have no clue at this point. I think I'm actually more confused leaving the show than I was going into it. Yeah, because now it could be one of three people that's kind of semi-in charge. We don't fucking know. And one of them (laughs) seems to be, like, dabbling in and out of kayfabe, so it's like, Yeah, I don't know what's happening! But that one is the only one that seems to have their head on straight. So Flair warns Ted Turner that if he gets in his way, he might go after Fonda, as he refers. Who's Fonda? Jane Fonda. Her and Ted Turner were married at this point. He's going to get Jane Fonda to ride Space Mountain? Apparently. And, we did that this week. And he'll run. For real. Not, not Ric Flair's penis. No, we wrote, we wrote actual Space Mountain. <laughs> you know, I'm actually impressed with us that we didn't mention that at all while we were in line. Oh my, we, met, we missed so many opportunities for references this trip. Yeah. But he also says he'll uh, go after Fonda and then run run the Turner Empire. He also books himself and Charles Robinson versus Randy Savage and Gorgeous George. He also books DDP versus Kevin Nash. Oh, thank God. What a fun match that'll be. And calls for DDP to come out. DDP notes they haven't gotten along, but that call is why Ric Flair should be president. He says he's not the one to complain, but he got screwed. And I'm like, um, I mean, in a way. Did he? The match ended via DQ, and then they're like, no, nah, we're going to restart it. Like, that doesn't happen I guess the majority of the time. Fair. DDP then brings out his backup, and out comes Bam Bam Bigelow. So I guess that little chat did amount to something, just not that night. I'm deeming they're pairing the Jersey Boys. There will be a third Jer- Jersey Boy eventually. Oh, really? That. Yeah. Fun. The Jersey, tri- I think it's the Jersey Triad. Oh, are they actually, like, called the Jersey Triad? Yeah. Oh, my God. I I just... Off the top of my head, I'm like, boy from Asbury Park? I can't remember where well, DDP's they, from. They keep, um, oh, God. I, we, we looked it up, too. Shit. New Jersey. I think it's from Point Pleasant. Sure. But, no, they I mean they do go on and on about, oh, both these men are from New Jersey. It's like Later on in the show, yeah, they do. Well, I think they were saying that last night, too. Or, oh. the, say, last night, a week, eight nights ago. <laughs> DDP says tonight he'll become a three-time, three-time, three-time world title holder. And Flair then claims this will be one of the best Nitros ever. Nick presses X to doubt. <laughs> oh, Richard. I literally, you have no idea. I, I turned to you before the show and I went, I got a feeling this one's going to be shit. Yeah, we even debated, like, are we going to review this show for our one year episode? Yeah. Like, we thought, like, maybe we'll do a bonus episode, do something fun and different. And then I think finally I was just like, no, we should continue with what we're doing. Like, that's the show. Like, make a big deal about it at the very beginning and then just go on as normal. Well, And as, then this is the episode that we had to watch. Well, it didn't <laughs> help that we had a loose plan to have another episode after this be the one-year episode. And then a podcast we like and is 
mildly similar to this show, did the show we were going to do. And it was like, well, shit, okay. So the segment ends and Tony still doesn't know who's in charge. Same. And then they go to a graphic for the Randy Savage, Ric Flair tag team match. And it looks like it's going to be a six-man tag. Yeah. So in the graphic, it's Randy Savage, Gorgeous George, and Miss Madness. And Medusa. Oh, and Medusa? Yeah. Well, there was no, four there were, on that one. Okay, so then it would have been a seven because there were three on the other well, one. Well, you know, somebody wouldn't be, I mean. Still. They have not established that Miss Madness can wrestle, which is kind of funny. It's so frustrating. Anyway. On the other one, it was Ric Flair, Charles Robinson, and Asia. I don't even know if Asia comes out with them. The more I'm thinking about it. I know she's ringside for one of the matches. Maybe it is that one. But can we talk about her outfit? Oh, I didn't take note of it. Oh, my God. Asia is such a competent wrestler, I can only assume. No. I guess I haven't seen her wrestle. No. Have I? no. She's not a competent wrestler. Asia looks like someone that could... Okay, I'll say. Asia looks like someone that could actually be a wrestler. She's not coming out as a model. She doesn't look like, you know, Stacey Keebler. She looks like an athlete. And they have her in, like, you know, the fembot outfit from Austin Powers with, like, the, the furry boobs and the short shorts. I'm like, she just looks so uncomfortable. Yeah, I literally cannot think of a single Asia match. I don't even know if she's trained at all at this point. I don't know where they found her. She's just a, Is she just a bodybuilder, maybe? Yeah, American bodybuilder. I'm yeah. pulling up her uh, Wikipedia right now. Early career. Wolf was originally a model for bikinis in Hawaiian Tropic. While modeling, oh. Wolf began bodybuilding. Won several titles on both state and national level. That's pretty prestigious. Hawaiian Tropic's a big deal. And then just randomly started showing up with Ric Flair. Weird. Yeah. But she looks, she doesn't look like the girls that Randy Savage brings out. No. She looks like China from the WWF. Like, they, that's the comparison it's they're trying to make. It's almost like they were going for that. Exactly. They were trying to make that comparison. No, but she's bigger, you know, because Asia. <laughs> Shut up. But the outfit they had her in just was, like, insulting. It was, like, she looked uncomfortable. <sighs> so, apparently we'll see her later, although I don't think, probably won't even mention her, because I don't think she does much. No, I know she's ringside. She does not, it. she does not do a stiff knee to Roddy Piper's balls tonight. <laughs> We go from this to an Eric Bischoff interview. There were so many segments at the very beginning of the show. Like, I think it took us about a half an hour to actually get to a match. He's looking real gray. Bischoff? Yeah. So He's no longer Leather Daddy Bischoff. No. I, I don't know if he goes back to that point. That's okay. He notes that Nitro dominated for 88 weeks, but now it's closer than he'd like it to be. But he's learned from his mistakes, and they'll be number one again. <laughs> They deserve to be number one, and they will be number one again. I don't think they ever beat Raw going they forward. They to tell you that you're wrong. I could be wrong, but I think Raw just steamrolls in the rest of the way. Yeah, that sounds about right. He says it's more competitive than he wants it to be. Yeah, you're just losing. you're losing. Yeah. yeah. It's not only really competitive and you're winning. It's not like, oh, okay, we're going back and forth. It's like, no, no, you're getting your ass kicked. Back and forth would be competitive. This is just sad. Yeah, last week, Raw did its highest rating ever. Ever. You were off the air, but, like, that Still. show is more popular than you. So that's it for this one. However, we'll see him again in 30 seconds. Because Tony and Bobby chat about the pay-per-view, and we get Surge Watch, although... Well, yeah, there wasn't really much watching. No. Was, I think it left the table. I don't it think it was have. on the table the whole time. Tony Schiavone does note how the Steiners reuniting basically makes no sense. He's correct. <laughs> he then throws to a Tonight Show clip, but instead we get a Goldberg and Bret Hart package. Yeah, nobody knew what the hell was going on here. Yeah, after the package, we get a, a Bashin' Brawlers ad and a Slim Jim ad. Snap to a Slim Jim! 
And then we get more Eric Bischoff interview. Oh my god. Like, oh, we're just gonna go right back to this. Okay. Give me a freaking match. <laughs> this is the point where I was like, when do we get to see the actual wrestling? So Bischoff says he did what he thought was right at Slamboree. He's like, was it official? It like doesn't give an answer. Yeah, he I'm shrugs. like, what the fuck? He's like, eh, you know, it's unclear. And I'm like, it's, you, you're the what one that makes the it fuck? clear. Make it clear. Tony seems to imply that clearly Eric Bischoff had no official capacity. Because even he's like, oh, I like convinced the ref to restart the match, but he decided Roddy Piper won. Yeah. And, I don't know. None of it makes sense. I don't even think they know what they're trying to say anymore. So apparently a couple of these are like half shoots, you know, like a work shoot interview, just like having a chat. Like he, Eric Bischoff has a whole game plan for how they're going to get back into it. And it's basically, we're going to push 10 established guys. <laughs> And uh, only one of them is under 40. Oh, my God. Really? Who are the 10 established guys? Oh, I saw the list earlier. All right. Let's see if we can go through it. Because it'll be DDP, Goldberg? Goldberg. Goldberg's the one under 40. Okay. Nash? Nash is over 40? I think he's right around there. Hogan? Yeah. I'm trying to think of who else got, like, a big moment today. Like, Bret Hart? Okay, Kevin Nash would be 39 at this point, but he is turning 40 in the year. You know, like, within, like, within a couple weeks. Is Bret Hart in that list? Yes. That's five. I'm literally trying to think of... Bam Bam? No. So, Sting. Sting, duh. Flair. Oh, duh. Piper. Okay. Hall. Hall? He's not even here! <laughs> oh, and then we're missing one. I'm like, shit, who else is kicking? Oh, Savage. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, that's their plan. All right, let's just... Let's just push the old guys. Basically. Oh. They're pushing the guys who are proven draws and everyone else is going to have to wait. For what? The company's dying. There's nothing to wait for. Well, they don't know it's dying. They, sh- they should know. They just know it's going downhill. Going down, down in an early round? Oh, sorry. We were actually mistaken. The, the, the Eric Bischoff randomly coming back to an interview is during this. Oh, yeah. They cut to the ring and then they cut back to Eric Bischoff. Yeah, sorry. I remembered it like, oh, they just go back to him real quick. Yeah. I thought that was before because they also went back to him really oh quick. Oh, God. This is, they leave the interview and then go, oh, we have more Eric Bischoff interview. Yeah, they like they cut back to a shot of the ring with commentary talking about what was just said by Eric Bischoff. And then they cut back to Bischoff. It doesn't make any sense. So Bischoff basically tries to push a face turn. He's like, look, I know you guys don't trust me. I'll have to prove, you know, prove my worth kind of thing. Even if he's not the president, he just wants to contribute. He admits he owes a lot to the company and is grateful for the chance. And he does talk up, like, the crew and the people that build the show, to which I said, Bischoff supports the IATSE strike. <laughs> so we then get Roddy Piper arriving with Eric Bischoff via limo at the arena. Not too much to note with that. Nope. But yeah, Piper's arriving a little, at least late, you know. Semi-late, at least. I'm just, we, we've gotten so much talking. So much Eric Bischoff, plus Eric Bischoff, plus Eric Bischoff, all in a row. Well... Now for something different. We get Mike Tanay talking on commentary. <laughs> he was only on it for this one segment, but at first I was like, is he late? Did they just, like, not put him on the booth? No, it's just he's literally here to report the Bret Hart news. Yeah. Tony knows that we haven't heard from Bret Hart since, you know, him quitting. Like, we saw him, but we didn't really hear from him. And apparently on a Tonight Show that, I guess, aired the previous week, Kevin Nash went on and, like, challenged... Bret Hart for a quarter million dollars of his own money. Oh, okay. And they're saying that Bret Hart's going to go on tomorrow night. Yes. 
Because okay. it will also be going on next a week. week. I don't have now, a yeah. lot of info on all that. I think it all kind of gets lost a little bit in next week. Uh. So, yeah, it was kind of unclear what the hell was airing tomorrow. Because I thought the Kevin Nash segment was airing tomorrow because they pre-recorded some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, no, Bret Hart will be on. There was a funny line in here when Mike Tanay was reporting what Bret Hart was saying about going on The Tonight Show. He said, Bret Hart finds it funny that late night hosts are now wrestling promoters. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, because Jay Leno was like pushing like, oh, you're going to like fight him? And apparently was laughing at Goldberg being injured because like, oh, it's not real. What do you mean? You know, he got hurt. It's like, no, he's fucked up. You can still get hurt. Stage combat, just because it's not real, doesn't mean you can't fuck yourself up. Well, again, we just missed the Jay Leno main event at the start of this podcast by a few pay-per-views. Bummer. Don't worry, we'll get David Arquette here soon. We got a little while. Not as long as you would want. So Tony then throws to a brief clip of Charles Robinson wrestling as Ric Flair. When are we going to get a wrestling match in this show? Well, we actually have one up next. It's Evan Courageous versus Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight title. So have we seen Evan Courageous before? Not on the show. Okay. Do we see him after this? I've heard the name before. I don't know much about him. I don't know in kayfabe why he's getting a Cruiserweight title match. Okay. Because I thought that I might have missed something. No. I, I don't. I'm just They wanted to have a match. And they're like, oh, what if we just said it was for the title? Because, you know, Rey's going to win anyway. So Yeah. As soon as Rey Mysterio came out, I was like, oh, gee, I wonder who's going to win this match. Like His last Nitro match was September of last year. So. You know, that's that's why. So before our time. Yeah. Okay. I did laugh at both of us forgetting between Ray and Kidman, which one was the Cruiserweight title. Well, it flops back and forth between the two of them so often. And usually when there's like a nothing guy like Evan Courageous, usually I think they put him up against Billy Kidman because Billy Kidman can make guys look good. So I was expecting Billy to come out. Yeah. Well, Billy didn't come out with Ray either. So I'm like, is he that just them the done tagging? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I missed Billy. Evan Courageous comes out in jeans and then takes them off to wrestle. I know. Like, as Rey Mysterio is doing his entrance, Evan takes his pants off. He also botches his first spot of the night. Yeah, which just led to a very choppy match. This was not a smooth match at all. And Rey Mysterio was a very smooth wrestler. I literally only have a note on the finish. Oh, really? Yeah, I got nothing else to... Other, so, other than Bobby Heenan trying to make a good point, but then just forgetting Evan Courageous' name. <laughs> that sounds about right. So I had a question for you, though. So Rey Mysterio does a Bronco Buster to Evan Courageous in the corner at one point. Do you think he went kind of soft on it? I don't remember. It it felt... Okay. Well, in my opinion, it felt like Rey Mysterio was going kind of soft on Evan in the Bronco Buster. Usually he goes like three or like four or five kind of jumps at it. Like, kind of harder, or at least the guy will Look, sell it Look, not everyone's Mae Young, where you try to go into it and you just kick Crash Holly right in the fucking face. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking, like, the person that he usually does it to will sell it better. But this know. just looked so soft and nothing, and it's this match was It's a Bronco Buster, too. I, like... I know, but it still looked really lame. Like, that move can look less lame. Not good, but less lame. Yeah, you know, you're Xbox and you tear your anus. <laughs> There's something to be said for Sid's terrible leg injury, but, like, I think I'd rather do that than rip my asshole my from hole. doing a bronc. Yeah, my hole. <laughs> exactly. My yeah. hole. 
So Ray but, hits yeah. a top rope Frankensteiner and gets the win. It was a quick match. It was yeah, I think it was like two minutes. Yeah, I said this was gonna go all of three minutes, and I think it went two and a half. I think we looked it was like two twelve. Yeah. Because you said it was gonna go four. Yeah. And that was our first wrestling match of the night, and that's what we got. I think we that's got... a sign of what's to come. Yeah. We go backstage and Ric Flair is talking to somebody. We had never seen him before. But I call him a Brock knockoff. It's Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Flair's like, all right, I'm going to take you off the road, give you an office job. Basically in exchange for, you're going to fight David Flair and I want you to take a dive tonight. So he wants him to throw the match in exchange for stability and a real job. Yeah. And he's like, all right, every other promoter in history has pushed their, their, their kid down the audience's throat. So I'm going to do the same. <laughs> it's like, I thought you guys didn't like each other. You yeah, you had Meng kill him last week. I can't figure out their relationship. I was actually thinking about this in terms of Vince McMahon kind of pushing Shane. And ironically, I don't think Shane was pushed down her throat until the, like the late 2010s. Yes, and the difference was, if you're comparing Shane McMahon and David Flair, there's a significant difference there. One is significantly, like, okay, listen, I'm going to say nice things here. I hate Shane McMahon. With a fiery passion, I hate that man. However, Shane is significantly more charismatic and a significantly better wrestler than David Flair will ever be. I want to amend my previous statement. The McMahon children were definitely pushed down our throats during the invasion. You're absolutely right. You know what? I, yeah, but that You're hasn't, but that hasn't right. happened in the timeline yet, so we don't know that. You're right. In the timeline, has the Stephanie test wedding happened already? No, that's later in this year. Okay. Yeah, because that's after Vince Russo leaves, because he leaves it when she has amnesia. From oh my god. British Bulldog throwing a trash can at her head. <sighs> there was a time in WWF history that I kind of felt bad for Stephanie McMahon and the stories she was put into. And then she created women, so I didn't feel that bad for her anymore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the inventor of women. What came first, women or Stephanie McMahon? Stephanie McMahon. It's like a chicken and the egg thing. <laughs> so the relationship is confusing with Rick and David. We're not going to get more clarity on that either nope. tonight. And David says all of one word well, a million times. They're doing it out in the hallway because they knock on the door to Flair's office to get him to come out. And then Parker leaves and David Flair and Tori just like emerge from the office. Like, they were just in there the whole time? They what were the listening to this all go down and was like, no, we're going to sit this conversation out. I don't think they were I don't think they were supposed to hear it in kayfabe because they weren't in the room for it. Okay, but they were in the room with the open door. No, the door was closed. Was the door closed? Yeah. Meh. But I'm like, why is Rick doing this? And... Tori Wilson goes to him, like, you better keep your promise. And I'm like, wait, is he trying to bang Tori? Is that why? Th- that would it's make sense. It's the most logical deduction For I can make. For a Ric Flair storyline? Yeah, that would make sense. I'm like, okay, is it like, I'll make David a star, but you have to have sex with me? Is you that what they're going star, for? Kid. But as Ric Flair was describing what was going to happen in this match, all David said was, great, 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 great. That's all he said. Yeah, so we'll get that match later. Unfortunately. Up next, we get Mean Gene bringing out Booker T. Booker T starts, it's on like neck bone, Mean Gene. What does that mean? <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. I just like saying that as white as I possibly can. It so is on no... like neck bone. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck does that mean? So Gene asks Booker about Rick Steiner. Booker says he's not crying, and he's but he's calling Rick out tonight. He's like, no, nah, I don't want you next week. I'm going to pay for you tonight. You know, good good kind of babyface promo from Booker T here. Gene says Scott helped Rick, but Stevie Ray didn't help Booker. 
And Booker like largely dodges the question. Yeah, we he also does. will not see Stevie Ray tonight either. So we don't see any of the uh, B team. Yeah, I just realized that. I'm like, yeah. yeah. We spent too much time with Ric Flair. We didn't see really any NWO. Like we didn't have an NWO storyline. Yeah, I mean, I guess we see Scott, but like he doesn't really feel part of the NWO. At we this see point. Scott Steiner, and we see um, we see Kevin Nash. Yeah, but it does feel like it's largely being faded out. Good. So Gene notes that you probably have to know someone to get that match made, and then Booker's just like, oh, I hope it will, and then fires up the crowd. So that match will happen, but it's never really made official at this point. No. We come back from commercial, and David Flair, Tori, Asia, and Ric Flair come out. So I guess we do see her later. So maybe this is the match I was thinking of, that she's ringside. Yes. Buddy Lee Parker is already in the ring. Charles Robinson's the ref, and he's not wearing pants, and it's kind of distracting. It's so weird. It's so weird. Like, I guess he's... Because, spoiler, the next match is going to be the Ric Flair match. But, and yeah, Nage is with them, and he has to, like, get into his his garb for that. But how hard is it to take a pair of pants off? I know. Fucking guy. He could take, he a, note from, he could take a note from Evan Courageous. There you go. We saw a man take off pants during an entrance. It was so bizarre. So, this is a weird match, because... It's meant to be fixed in kayfabe. And, so the storyline that I got from this match is it was supposed to be fixed. Like Parker was supposed to go down at a certain point and he didn't. Well, that was my thing is they said, we'll give you the signal and that's when you go down. But the signal never came. Yeah. like Okay. I'm glad you didn't see it either because well, I never there, saw there a There signal. is and there isn't because he starts working over David Flair and commentary's like, oh, I guess he's going into business for himself here. Right. And then there's a moment where, I actually did like this, where Dean, Benoit, and Arn all get up on the apron, like, simultaneously, like, fucking play ball here, old this man. This is the sign, man. <laughs> we will fuck you up. I will say that David Flair does look like he has been training more, because he does look more competent in the ring in this match, and he's selling way better. So Parker misses the top rope move, and David Flair locks in the figure four, and immediately upon locking in, Robinson calls for the bell. Immediately. And he gets into that figure four Which means there was really no reason for Parker to be in on it. Yeah. Maybe he called for it early because it didn't seem like Parker was playing ball. Yeah, I don't know. My guess is that Parker is one of the trainers and was training David Flair, which is why they kind of brought him in. Because they did look good together. I'll give them that. Yeah, it's kind of like after Tough Enough where you had Maven feuding with like Al Snow and Taz and all that. Just like, okay, you know, somebody they're familiar with. And the girls with Jacqueline. So let's move on because we get get women wrestling in this one. I was about to give like an actual woo and then I'm ruined. We have, sorry, we have a woman wrestling in this one. A woman, yeah. It is the mixed tag team match, which they kind of say is the first one ever in WCW history. Which we haven't really confirmed or denied, but I have no reason to believe that it's yeah, cause not there, true. Yeah, because there's not really a women's division, so no. that doesn't shock me. Well, Stephanie McMahon hasn't invented women yet. Okay. So. So, we start this with Ric Flair and Charles Robinson doing their entrance, which means they literally went to the back during the commercial and then came back out in robes. Yeah, so all Nage had to do was go into the back. Take off his rough shirt, put a robe on. He could have taken his pants off, too. Why did he not wear pants? Hold on. I'm now trying to think what the hell Ric, Fla- Ric Flair was wearing during that he segment. He was not wearing a robe. But I know that. He wasn't in his... He wasn't in his gear. Was he wearing pants? If Ric Flair was wearing pants <laughs> and Char- Charles fucking Robinson wasn't, I'm rioting. 
Hold on. We, I got to go back. <laughs> Why wasn't he wearing pants, man? It was just, and it didn't help that his ref shirt was a little longer than anything. Than like, yeah, it looked, than like most was, it looked like he was going commando. It was not okay. Okay, Ric Flair was in his robe during that oh, was whole, he? The whole segment. Okay. So, yeah. I would, again, does not explain why Charles Robinson couldn't have worn pants. So Randy Savage comes out through the stage, and then the women come out from the side again. I don't get it. However, Gorgeous George is on crutches. Yeah. And they, like, weirdly don't make a big deal of the fact that they swapped. Yeah, because George is injured and now Medusa's in. Yes. And they just don't really make that clear, I guess. Yeah, like, apparently it says it on the graphic, but... Yes, it does. Commentary doesn't note it. Nope. They don't even note that she's on crutches. She's on crutches, but also, like, no brace or anything, so... Oh, yeah, they're fake crutches. They're not real. I mean... Well, they're real crutches, but they're not necessary crutches. Yeah. Oh, we completely missed this during the first half of the show, so... I'm going to ask you now. Heel or face? <laughs> All right, Ric Flair. Heel. Yes. Arn Anderson. Heel. DDP. Heel. Asia. Heel. Charles Robinson. Heel. Okay, you're five for five. All right. Uh, Eric Bischoff. Face? Yes. Um, Roddy Piper. Face. Yes. Evan Courageous. Heel? Probably. <laughs> Ray Mysterio. Would be the face, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Buddy Lee Parker. <laughs> In that context, I guess the heel? Uh, trick question. You need to get a reaction to be a heel or a face. I don't know. Booker T. Face. Okay. And um, here's pretty much why this segment was created. Randy <laughs> Savage. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> face. I don't know either. <laughs> Because he ended the show of Slamboree as a heel, and now he's just back to being a face. But he's going against Ric Flair, later, who's a very clear heel, so he must yeah. be a face, And right? later in the night, he will know. be back to being a heel, but he's a face here. Nick, I don't know. This is why I have so much problem with the heel and the face stuff. It's hard. And Gorgeous George is hot, so she's a face, you know? Is that how that works? Yeah, pretty much. Well, Stacey Keeler's hot, and she's a heel at some point. When she was the deadlies. Yeah, I guess Randy Savage is back to being a face for this. Uh, Medusa and Charles Robinson start. Robinson hits an arm drag and struts. This man never stops strutting. He struts so much. Crowd is hot for this match. Why? Ugh, I hate Charles Robinson. Tony says he'd love to see Savage back in the ring, you know, proper. And I'm like, he, at, he wrestled Ed Leslie on Thunder. This man has already <laughs> had his return match. Thunder doesn't count. Thunder's not real. It he technically had a match against Scott Steiner, but that was a bullshit match, so right. it doesn't count. But he he won clean against Ed Leslie. I think he was the disciple at that point. I forget what gimmick he has at this point. Who knows? He has wrestled. But he hasn't wrestled on Nitro, and he hasn't wrestled on a pay-per-view. We get tons of posturing and stalling at the beginning of this match. Yeah. And then Medusa gets the better of Charles Robinson. Savage and Flair tag in. Savage only hits strikes for a long while. Mm -hmm. He is not doing moves. Flair gets the advantage and tags in Robinson, which allows Randy Savage to regain control and tag in Medusa because you kind of couldn't have Medusa versus Flair. Yeah, Medusa is only allowed to fight Nate or Lil Nate, or at least in like the 
she's not already fired up because there will be moves from Medusa on Flair later. Yeah. I really did like Medusa in this match. She hits a reverse tombstone on Charles Robinson. She held her own very well. She even gave him, she gave him a little dick stomp too. Yeah. She can wrestle. She's good. Like She really holds up to these guys. She was the centerpiece of the women's division in WWE for a little while. And then... What was her name in WWE? Alundra Blaze. Oh. I know that name. Yeah. Yeah, she was very impressive to me in this. I did like the big flare flop, though. Flare then tags in, and Medusa holds her own until she hits a really botched back body drop. Yeah. And then Flare just hits a back suplex and an elbow drop. Yeah. Flare goes for a figure four, but Medusa gets an inside cradle. Flare kicks out and manages to get the figure four in, and Medusa manages to hold on for a good long while. It kind of made the figure four not look that Yeah, that's why, like, Medusa's no joke. I wish she didn't have a stupid fucking name, but she's no joke. Savage then breaks up the figure four, and Medusa manages to make the tag to Savage, and Savage holds his own against Flair and Robinson, and pins Robinson after a diving elbow. With, like, a cocky pin, right? I mean, a bit, but... Well, he does, like, the, the thing that Jericho does. He, like, puts his foot on uh, Charles Robinson's chest and... Yeah, which he should not have done, because the elbow drop really fucked up Charles Robinson. We mentioned this at Slamboree. Oh, yes. I don't know if he's seen next week, but it's like, yeah, he has a couple busted ribs and some kind of internal injuries because, you know, elbow drop isn't an unsafe move, but Randy Savage is a large man crashing into you from the top rope. His body just isn't built for that. No. So how did you feel about this match? (sighs) Okay, good. Because like the way we're talking about it made it sound a lot more exciting than it truly was. I have a tendency when watching television, everyone in my life can attest to this, when I am laying on the couch watching television or even sitting on the couch, I have a tendency to fall asleep. So I try very hard when watching these shows to take a lot of notes, be very thorough. And even in this, I was sitting up, I was focusing on the match, eyes wide, I was falling asleep. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great. It held my attention, but... Didn't hold mine. I wouldn't say like I recommend this match. This match was never in my best bit kind of... Oh, God, Territory. It was good to see Medusa. I know we will see a bit more of her. Uh, she'll weirdly enter the cruiserweight division for a little while. Really? Against the guys? Yeah. I love that. I honestly, like, that is one of my favorite things in wrestling, when women go against men. I think that that is, like, the true, like, equality bit. Like, yes, a women's division is great, especially when it's as good as current day WWE's women's division. But when, like, when a woman who is feminine can go against a guy and hold her own. I love that. We get it. You hate men. I do. Who doesn't hate men? Come on. So apparently this is a Mean Gene episode of Nitro because we get Mean Gene again. (laughs) Yeah. Brings out Roddy Piper. Yeah, this is a great segment though. He sucks up to the crowd and claims that he is the president. Who fucking knows who's in charge? He then calls it the WCW. I'm like, is that just a Canadian thing? Because Bret Hart (laughs) does that all the time too. Maybe. All right, when Lance Storm shows up, we got to figure out if he calls it the WCW or not. Well, he's going to have to be serious for a minute. I'm trying to think if Jericho ever did or not. Jericho's still technically under contract, too. Huh. Yeah, I think he'll work some house shows around this point, but yeah, he's not on TV anymore. Me. Piper cuts a long promo about why Ric Flair isn't meant to be president. And he's like, let me tell you a true story. Of Ric Flair hanging out in a bar and drag. Oh, wearing drag, yeah. And makes a few gay jokes and just kind of just goes on a whole tangent here. He says Flair got asked about the Phantom Menace and Flair thought it was they were asking about Hillary Clinton. I'm like, oh, okay. This was a, it was just a great segment of Roddy Pepper just roasting the shit out of 
real life Ric Flair. Not the character, the person. Piper, yeah. He just he rambles a bit about why Flair isn't fit to be president. It goes on for a while. I did not manage to get all the notes on it. He does go on for a while, but I was just sitting and enjoying it. Piper then brings out Bischoff. And at some point here, Piper refers to himself as the WCW commissioner again, even though he opened it calling himself the president. Yeah, is there a commissioner? I mean, it was Piper before this. I guess it still is. But although, he's also the president. But yeah, but Flair also fire. I don't know. Figure it out. WCW, no make brain work. <laughs> so yeah, he brings out Bischoff. Bischoff comes out to no music for some reason. He has he a theme has song. Music. And it does not slap. It doesn't not slap. Gene then notes that Eric Bischoff is a high-powered executive for WCW. Okay. So that's his role in this. Bischoff is a high-powered executive. Not the president, but a high-powered executive. What does that mean? I don't know. That sounds like bullshit. Piper then notes a lot of the heel shit that Eric Bischoff has done. And is like, mm, I don't know if I buy you trying to be a good guy here. Fair. I think that's absolutely warranted. Yeah. You know, Bischoff apologizes and Piper's like, no, 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 like, give him a chance. Like, like I'm willing to listen kind of yeah. thing. This prompts Randy Savage to randomly come out. Randy Savage needs to stay backstage. You're done. You did your thing. Stay. You're good. You're done. The end. Get Randy it. Savage's song starts up with two different audio cues of like, what, what up, much? And then, oh, yeah. And Mean Gene's like, who is this? It's like Yeah, they're so confused by the music when it literally says what up Mach. Who else is Mach? Are you stupid? It's like WWE, it's like, yo, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. Who, Who could, could it this be? be? Oh no, a mystery man. Dead man walking. Oh. <laughs> oh god, people are stupid. That's why. So Randy Savage wants the title shot. He's like, DDP owed me a title shot. And then you screwed DDP, so now I'm out of it because what the fuck? Yeah. Which is, like, fair? Yeah. Piper tells him to wait in line, so Savage gives him a pile driver, and then goes for a diving elbow drop on Eric Bischoff, but Kevin Nash comes out to make the save. Why? Why? Why are you here? You weren't invited. You weren't part of this. Why are you here? I don't know. Savage still wants the title shot tonight. And tells Nash to hand over the title just like he did in the Georgia Dome. And it was like, ooh. <laughs> and we all remember what happened in the Georgia Dome. <laughs> Nash then makes a mention of like, oh, Randy, I know you paid for your dates on your American Express card. Ooh, he hired prostitutes. And then he doesn't really say much else of anything. Like, what wasn't a good promo here. No, it wasn't. How dare Randy Savage support sex workers? How dare he? Also, none of them are sex workers. No. But the implication. I mean, one of them was a stripper. But Which one? Gorgeous George. That's oh, that how they met, sense. yeah. That's how they met? Yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> of course that's how they met. Listen, th- th- that that subplot in The Wrestler is based off real shit. Oh my god, yeah. I forgot about that. So it looks like we're setting up for Savage and Nash. We'll get more on that later. We then get a Slamboree recap. And then our second match, sorry, our third match of the night. We get Hack with Chastity versus Fit Finley. Hack grabs a mic, says that he's the most hardcore wrestler on the planet and the king of extreme. Um, disagree. All right. He calls uh, he calls one of the other wrestlers Bam Bam Bagalo. Bam Bag. It's the Bam Bag. It, it, it doesn't sound good. That sounds like a bag to poop in. 
It sounds like a weird euphemism for, for, for like a diaper or something. No, it's just the bag that you put your gun in. Spay yeah, bag. Ask just Arn put, about you it. like stick a dynamite in there, put the Glock in there. <laughs> the tire Glock. <laughs> oh. So he cuts a revisionist history promo of like, yeah, look at all this shit I did. And it's like, you've lost a good portion of your matches. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I faced Goldberg. You lost. I faced, I think, Sting or something. It's like, yeah, you lost there. So too. It's not really revisionist. No, it's, it's stating he, the truth. He implies he beat them, but he doesn't say it, so he's not lying. No, it, but it's kind of like how where we're watching in 2012, where they keep bringing up John Cena versus Brock Lesnar and treating it like Brock didn't fucking lose clean. Yeah. So we then get a sudden Finley challenge promo from backstage. Oh yeah, that was so weird. It's like, oh, you want to fight, fella? All right. Yeah, he just like popped up on screen. At first, I didn't know who it was. It didn't look like Finley right off the bat, at least to me. Yeah, with his shit haircut. We also don't see haircut. him very often. Yeah, he has a really bad haircut here. We also just don't see him that often, so he's not in my brain as, like, a person. I guess they're not pushing hack, are they? With the ten people they're pushing. Yeah, I think, I mean, they're trying to establish a hardcore division, so I'm guessing Raven, Finley yeah. is going to be in there, too. I don't think Finley is a hardcore wrestler. No, I mean, he's a brawler, which I think they're just like, okay, it's hardcore, whatever. Nah. Anyway. So he comes down and Finley hits hack with, with the mic to start. And then uses Hack's kendo stick against him. He just immediately starts destroying Hack. Hack brings a ladder into the ring and elbow drops the ladder onto Finley's leg as they go to commercial. When we come back, there's two tables in the ring and Hack sets them up in the corners. Finley then works over Hack with weapons and sets up the ladder in the corner and whips Hack into the ladder. For some reason, the ref grabs the kendo stick away from Finley. And it's it's like, a hardcore match. Yeah, why? Which gets boozed. It's like, what the fuck? Fair, because why? <laughs> Hack works over Finley's head with a kendo stick. <laughs> oh, you know, the head. You got to weaken the head. Yeah. What? But Finley hits like a back kick low blow and then hits Hack with a kendo stick. Double clothesline and both men are down, which prompts Brian Nobbs to come out. Thank God tosses, Brian's part of this. Yeah, tosses both men through the table and then hits them both with the ladder. He then tosses them to the outside. The ref's like, oh, that's that's too far. Ring the bell. Yeah, why? Why? I didn't understand the ending of this match at all. It's a hardcore match, A. There's no DQ, B. And what? And just, to, and just to add to the weird, messy ending, Finley hits a chair shot holding the chair upside down on Brian Nobbs. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Honestly, like, of all the hardcore matches we've watched lately, this was, the, like, the best one in a while. Because it didn't seem so, like, trash brawly. Yeah, it was kind of nothing and for me. It was, it was nothing, but they didn't seem bored doing it. And that's been my problem with, like, Bam Bam hardcore matches. He looks bored. It looks like he's just going through the motions. This one, they actually felt a little fresher. Like, okay, like, we're excited to do this. So that's why I liked it. But it wasn't great. But we haven't gotten a lot of good hardcore matches. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, we'll get definitely get more once the uh, title comes into play. I just don't know if they're going to be any good. Yeah, well, that's always the question, isn't it? So our next match is for the television title. Rick Steiner versus Booker T. Rick Steiner comes out with the reverse Scott Steiner beard dye job. They're just having like a little like blonde soul patch in, in his beard. I'd like to say right off the bat, I like Rick Steiner so much better than Scott Steiner. Like significantly more. Just as a person, as a promo. And I find him a little bit more attractive than Scott Steiner. They're both apparently like weirdos in real life. I believe it. They own a Shonies. Normal people don't buy Shonies. Not anymore, they don't. <laughs> Remember how I said it's going to be Rick Steiner versus Booker T? Just kidding. Yeah, no, backstage Booker T is dead. <laughs> Just, 
He's literally like face down on the concrete, and they're like, oh, because he's Commentary down. Commentary might as well have been like, hey, you guys want to see a dead body? <laughs> Bang, you're dead. So... I, we're, never, we have to assume it's by Scott? Yeah, that, that was my assumption during yeah. all this. So then Rick grabs a mic and says, without Stevie's help, Booker had no chance. Rick then offers an open challenge, and no one comes out at first. So he goes to the back, he's like, oh yeah, I guess no one's coming out. That's yeah, he smart. starts to walk up, yeah. And then Sting comes out. The two brawl around the outside, and with Sting firmly in control. Then they get in the ring, and the bell rings. And it's like, oh, this, this is, is a match? match? This is the match now. Okay. Like, you mentioned, oh, I had to rewatch Sting versus Rick Steiner. I'm like, when the fuck was that about? Like, oh, I guess it was. <laughs> yeah, we were watching this late at night, and I started fi- feeling myself dozing off, so I decided to rewatch it today. Sting misses a stinger splash in the corner, and Rick gains control. They brawl on the outside, and Rick pulls up the ringside mats. Sting, Ow. well, Sting then counters and suplexes Rick back onto the mats. Yeah, like, it looked like it could have been bad, but they're smart. Back inside, Sting hits his comeback, including a diving clothesline. Rick Steiner comes out, and they surround Sting on the apron until Lex Luger comes out. Okay, why the fuck was Lex Luger part of this? We'll talk about that when we get to the end of this. Okay. They go to commercial as the two stare down the Steiners. Like, okay, I guess we're not going to get an end to that. Okay, because, yeah, when Luger comes out, they ring the bell as a DQ. And we have said in the past that DQ rules mean that, like, whoever interfered had to have thrown a punch or, like, actively interfered I think this was meant to be more of a no contest. Like, we're just throwing it out. Like, you know, there's not going to be a winner. And okay. Both of you guys have people kind of come out. Because no that contest. was my question. Like, what are the DQ rules in this match? Because no one threw a punch. Like, Rick, Lex Luger did not throw a punch. Scott Sire didn't throw a punch. So, like, there wasn't full interference, but they both got in the ring. But you've told me in the past that that's not enough for a DQ. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes it's a bit arbitrary. I'm guessing yeah. this was a no contest, just like... It's like, oh, clearly we're not going to get a finish to this because you guys are about to brawl. So let's right. just let's just not even worry about it. Uh, yeah, I figured you would be very confused by Lex Luger coming yeah. out. Lex Luger and Sting have a long history in WWE like, as partners. Okay. And it's actually a fun thing of, like, Sting would be a face and Luger would be a heel and they would be teaming up. Oh. Because they're friends and it's like, you know, he's not being a heel to Sting, so... Are they shoot friends? Yes, they actually are because... One of Lex Luger's, like, big career moments is showing up on the first episode of Nitro, like, as a surprise. Oh. Because he had, like, wrestled on, like, the pay-per-view the night before, and there was no non-compete. There wasn't really a contract, so I was like, all right, just, like, show up, and Sting was part of bringing Luger in. Oh, okay. But, yeah, it was always a fun dynamic of, like, Sting would be walking ahead of Luger, slapping the fans' hands, and Luger would be like, I don't want to do that. And Sting, Sting would turn around. Luger would be like, yeah, slap the head. Sting would turn around again. He's like, no, I'm not touching you. It was a fun okay, thing. It was like, fun. yeah, because like he never that. turned on Sting. It's like the team never broke up. Okay. Okay, that does make more sense. And that was, what, like years ago? Yeah. And I think like Luger was part of Sting joining the Wolf Pack. So, like, don't turn you back on the Wolf Pack. No. So they do have history together. Okay. That makes a lot more sense, because Luger coming down just felt very random. Yeah, and like once again, like the fact that he's NWO does not feel like a part of the story. No, not at all. Considering Steiner and Luger are both part of the Wolfpack. Yeah. I, they don't even make mention of that. I didn't even think about that till just now. Yeah, the NWO was just such a non-thing in this episode. Any thoughts on the actual action of the match? Meh. Yeah, it, it was pretty quick. This was meant to be angle advancement. Yeah. I did have to go back and look up why 
Sting had beef with the Steiners because I didn't remember their whole slamboree thing in the Goldberg match. Well, well, to be fair, there was no beef before that. No, not at all. It was just that they came down and like beat down the uh, beat down Sting when he was already down. I'm actually wondering if this was supposed to be Goldberg's spot. Oh, maybe. That would actually make a lot of sense. And I wonder if them putting Luger in here is their way of going, we can replace you, buddy. We don't need you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can make logical sense of this without you on the show. That's very possible. We then get the WCW fan club ad again. It's dumb. It's a dumb ad. All right. Our next match, Conan oh, versus God. Kurt Hennig. Phew, it's Conan. Conan comes out to what might be a new theme, but definitely sounded dubbed on Peacock. It was very loud. <laughs> In our first night of watching, we we both kind of felt a little dead after the last match. Well, it was also, it was the day after we got back from vacation. It was just so like, all was right. tired. Yeah. And when Conan came on screen, Nick just turned the peacock off. And I was like, why? He's like, I needed a match to wake me back up. And Conan's not in. Yeah. Which I found funny because we didn't, when we turned it off the first time, we didn't see who he was facing. And I know you like Kurt Henning. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we stuck it out for literally 20 more seconds, would we have continued watching? I don't know. He, he also cuts his usual Spanglish promo. I don't speak Spanish. Match starts, and we get really big Mr. Perfect chance. Yes. I'm guessing it's because they're close to his home state. Where is he from? He's from uh, Minnesota. Where is Iowa in reference to Minnesota? I think it's just south of it. Okay. It's apparently a four-hour drive from Minneapolis to Cedar Rapids. Okay, so it's very possible that people from Minneapolis are there. Yeah, I mean, and also just like, you know, he's local. There's no, I always say there's no wrestler from Iowa. Uh, Seth Rollins is from Iowa. Is he really from yeah. Iowa? Who the hell's from Iowa? He's from like Davenport, Iowa. I didn't think people came from Iowa. But anyway, do you know why these two were matching up at all? Was there a story behind it? No, just sometimes there's just matches. What, okay. What, I mean, why did Evan Courageous get a, get a Cruiserweight title shot? I don't know. I didn't know if there was a just a brawl that I missed or like a storyline that I missed. No, they're just like a general kind of exhibition okay. match. We get a float-around bulldog from Conan, really lazy-looking. Yeah, commentary did not care about this match either. Conan hits a 10-punch spot, complete with crotch grab, and Hennig regroups on the outside. And I think they miss the cue for commercial, Mm. because he takes a long while to get back in the ring. And they literally go to commercial as he's getting back in the ring. I think they... I think, like, he was setting up for it, like and he then... he was ducking under the rope to get in the ring, and then they cut to commercial. But there was one funny point where Kurt Henning goes up to the commentary booth, and I don't know what he says, but commentary relays that he's talking about how he's wearing new boots. Yeah. What? Yeah, he just someone has, like, his, like, foot hurting, and he's like, new boots. And then Is he, he like, eating a blister? <laughs> and then he, like, looks at, like, examines his nipple, which was kind of weird. I think I, I don't know. Yeah, he like he, does he like dropped limp. it. He like dropped it out of the the, the single and like looked at it. And he, like and the camera got like a nice close up. I'm like, what the fuck? That's weird. But later on in the match, he does like kind of limp in the ring. So I'm wondering if he's like getting a blister from his new boots or something and yeah, he's I having a hard time walking on it. But yeah, this is a really lame match. Really lame right off the bat. I was very aware of referee Mickey J's counts in this because Hennig keeps grabbing Conan's chain. Oh. And the ref just keeps counting every time he does it. Oh. There's just a lot of moments of him getting in Hennig's face. And he'll do it in a later match, too. I'm just like, Mickey J is just weirdly very noticeable in this episode. Huh. I didn't notice him at all. Hennig locks in what is supposed to be a like kind of Indian deathlock move. But commentary points out that it's not in all that good. So it's kind of <laughs> shit. I'm like, oh. Yeah, commentary does not care about this match at all. They're talking about like Milwaukee. 
Talk about other cities that they want to go and visit, where they were this past weekend. I like think it's where they're going because they where they're going. Poems, yeah. yeah, they don't give a shit about um, this match. We get a very blatant flying nothing from Hennig. Yeah, Conan gets his leg up way too early. Way early. Okay, like I thought so too, but I think I pointed this out in another match, and you said like, "Oh no, it's yeah." Cool. No, I had to go back for that one. This one was like, "What the fuck?" Like he legitimately may have, may have not been off the ropes at that point. No, and just, like, I don't think he was. But then Conan starts his comeback with the ref down. We then get sudden Macho Man Randy Savage. Why are you here? Why are you part of this? No one asked you to be here. He has a microphone. Why? And and his microphone starts going through the commentary feed and not through the arena. Yeah. And then eventually goes through the arena. So the arena doesn't hear the start of his promo. But it also doesn't feel like he knows what he's trying to say in his promo. Well, it doesn't help that his logic is that he attacks Conan to send a message to Kevin Nash. Which because, is, I guess they're friends now? Yeah, because Nash saved Conan from a B-team beatdown. Okay. But, you know, Nash turned his back on him after, after you know, Conan's boy got shot or something. Oh, a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my son. <laughs> That's my, my boy. boy. <laughs> my son. You know, Conan's son was in the, the uh, Triwizard Cup. Oh, he ruined it. It was fun. Okay. Well, I feel like now I have to ask you. Various people throughout the rest of the night, what house would they be in? Yeah, you haven't been asking me about the healer face again. No. <laughs> I mean, it's all the same people coming out. <laughs> all right, Rick Steiner, healer face. Heal. Yes. And he would be probably Slytherin. Uh, Sting. Sting is a face, he'd be Gryffindor. Hack. Hack would be a Gryffindor because he's stupid. And he's a heel. Yes, Finley. Finley's a face. I, I guess. he'd be a Hufflepuff. Okay. What would Kevin Nash be? Expelled. I don't know. <laughs> also, is Kevin Nash a hill or a face? Face? Yeah, I guess. He's getting cheers like he's a face. Anyway. Anyway, back to the match. Yeah, so Conan gets attacked by Randy Savage because a message to him, I guess they're friends again. And Hennig then wins with a Hennig Plex. That was a dumb match. Yeah. I feel like we haven't seen Kurt Hennig win a singles match like, no, on the podcast. No, I haven't seen Kurt Hennig in a while either. Where the fuck's Barry Windham been? No idea. Thoughts on the match? It was bad. It was dumb. I did not like it. Yeah. Another not great match. Yeah. It's that kind of night. Yeah. And this match went way too long, I think. Yeah. Well, hopefully the next one will save us. We have a tag team title match. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko with Arn Anderson and his Glock versus Raven and Perry Saturn with... Who better than Kenyon? He's looking good. Yeah. Like, attractive man. So, match starts. Raven and Saturn hit double T moves early on, including a low kick and clothesline, and then also an electric chair drop crossbody. Electric chair drop crossbody? Yeah. On commentary, Bobby Heenan puts over Arn Anderson's toughness. Does not mention the Glock. He does mention the the tire Arn at some point. I can't remember if that's later. I think it is. This is a weird match, because actually this is as good a point as any. The Horseman, or the yeah. Healer Face. Heel. Yes. Raven and Perry Saturn, or the Healer Face. So, like, in their attitude, I would say heel, but because they're going against the Horseman, they're the face of the match. Yeah, and, like, Canyon helped them kind of and cheat Canyon's to win. And Canyon's a face, but they cheated. And is Canyon a face? I think of Canyon as a face. It's Yeah, they're kind of tweeners, but it's vague here. Because they're also on offense through most of this match, which creates a yes. weird dynamic of, you know, you're just watching the bad guys get beat down. Yeah. 
This was a really good match, though. I love seeing the what become the radicals all together. Yeah, you're like, Cincinnati. They're so good together. Yeah, they I mean, have such good chemistry. As we've said before, when Raven is probably the worst worker in the match, like it's a good, it's match. a good match. Yeah, like all four of them were very good technical wrestlers. Like I, it was very impressive. I will say this: Raven can piece together a match better than Perry Saturn, in my opinion. But yeah, I think Perry Saturn definitely needs the support uh, but, of other. Yeah, but good Perry wrestlers. has better like execution and yeah. better move set kind of thing. I agree. Raven hits three amigos on Chris Benoit. The three amigos. Saturn hits a big diving leg drop as they go to commercial. Like the horsemen have not really been on offense like not any of the match at this point. Except we then come back from commercial and horsemen are on offense. Like, oh, glad we saw that that kind of shift. Yeah. What the fuck? Benoit goes for a baseball slide into Saturn as Dean Malenko holds him, but it's the one thing they don't want to happen as Saturn moves and Benoit hits Malenko. Oh my god. Doesn't mean anything because about 30 seconds later they do a double team move in the ring. And they're fine. It's like, oh, okay. We get chance. It sounded like a boring chant. It was like, what the f- Really? I got the Horseman Sucks chant. Oh, that was big. But like there was like a... It was in the tune of a boring chant, but Goldberg chants are also It sounded like a Goldberg chant to me. I didn't hear boring. I don't know. It was only a I small... it was boring. It was only a small handful of people, so... This wouldn't have gotten a boring chant. I mean, from dickheads, it might. Yeah. Oh, it's not Hulk Hogan. It's not Goldberg. No one here's won a world title. I did like that Dean and Benoit got out of the ring and got a little pep talk from Arn. They, like, buddied up. It was nice. Saturn hits a big belly-to-belly suplex, and Raven gets the hot tag and brings in a chair and hits his drop toe hold onto the chair. Explanation again is Raven's rules, and that yeah. is literally it for the chair in this match. Yeah, it's just used to smash Dean's face in. Yeah, which I'm like, you don't have to do that spot every match kind of thing. It just, oh, it's Raven's rules, though. Yeah, but like, don't bring the chair into the ring if it's your only intention of using it, you know? Yeah. It's not even like that's your finisher or anything. I also, I just hate that. Just like, oh, any match with Raven, he can just use. It's a Raven's use, rule. Yeah, yeah I, I don't like those rules either. It, it just feels so wrong. I don't like that it's by default. Yeah, it just feels like cheating almost. We get a front-falling suplex, followed by a frog splash in the champions. Chris Benoit misses a diving headbutt, and Dean Malenko hits a tiger suplex. Oh, is the diving headbutt he missed the one that he just, like, blatantly flopped on the no one? Probably. Oh my god, that one looked sore. We then get a weird spot of... Canyon gets on the apron, which allows Arn Anderson to come in. And Raven sees him setting up for, like, his DDT. And Arn comes in with the tire Arn. And or his Glock. We don't know which. One of the two. I would think it would be a very different finish to the match <laughs> if it was one or the other. And he hits Raven, but Raven like ducks and sells it in such a way where it's like, in kayfabe, did you hit Benoit as well? I was not following his interaction or his interference yeah. as much. I did have to back up for the end spot of this match and rewatch that because I didn't see that one either. It was a nice spot of Dean Malenko goes up top and dives directly onto Perry Saturn's shoulders, who catches him like in a like fireman's carry position mm-hmm. and hits the Death Valley driver and gets the pin. Yeah, but he was falls onto Perry's shoulders because Canyon pushes him off the top rope. Yeah. But it's so sly and like quick how Canyon does it. I didn't see it happen. Yeah, I kind of half missed it first. I had to too. back up and watch it again. So the champions retain, we then follow them backstage, and they jaw with Bam Bam Bigelow for some reason. Yeah, why? I don't know. And then they go to commercial. Thoughts on the match? I loved this match. Yeah? I really like this match a lot. 
I liked this match. It didn't really have a story it was it telling. It a story, but it was so technically good and so fast-paced that like kept my interest for every second. Yeah, the psychology, or rather lack thereof, sure. hindered my enjoyment a bit, but this was by far the best match on the card, but that's also not saying much. Yes, that is true. But this was a good match. I'm not... I'm a, like, I wish we got a little bit more, but I don't know if these teams are done with each other or not, so. Yeah, it it's seems really hard like, to tell. It seems like they could be. Could be, but they, I can also see them dragging this out for another week or two. I mean, we have a lot of weeks to the pay-per-view. How many? I think it was if we had had the Nitro last week, it would have been like six weeks of build. It's like, Jesus. Oh my God. June 20-something is the, uh, is the pay-per-view. Jeez. Yeah, so we got a while. Like over a month. And we're now on to the main event. Woo! WCW title match, DDP versus Kevin Nash. You tell how excited I was for this match. Yeah, I think this is the, we have to give DDP his rematch before we're just done with him. Yeah. DDP is looking rough at the beginning of this match, though. Did you see his face? I mean, a little bit. He's looking real beat up and just like worn down. Well, Nash dominates early on until Bam Bam Bigelow comes out. And gets big Goldberg chance. Yeah. Why? I, I, I'm, I'm really tired of Bam Bam Bigelow. He really, like, he faded on me fast. Yeah. It's more that just, he hasn't really had much to do. Yes. He, it, they threw him into the hardcore, quote-unquote, division and left him there for a while just to die, basically. Like every story he's been in feels like he's a week away from being done with the story. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. DDP then gets the advantage with occasional cheating from Bam Bam Bigelow, including DDP choking Nash with, with, with his wrist tape. Yeah, I've actually... Had, I don't know that I've seen that, at least in recent memory. I like that. Because it's cheating, but it's like sneaky cheating. Oh, we also... I glanced over when Bam Bam comes down. He hits Nash mm-hmm. while on the apron. And like the ref is just looking at it like, oh, that's fine. So he, the ref was clearly meant to be looking away and was not. No. These refs are really good at their job, Nick. DDP goes up top, hits a diving clothesline, kinda. Yeah, kinda is the operative word. Like, yeah, that's what we're going with? Okay. DDP then hits a swinging neck breaker and then a Russian leg sweep. And I was just laughing to myself that DDP's moveset is straight out of when you play the like WWE 2K games. They added like weight as part of it. So you can't have Rey Mysterio doing overhead suplexes to like the big show. Mm. So... There would be certain, like, substitute moves of, like, okay, if you have that in your move set, it'll just do this move. That way you can actually do oh, okay. it. And, like, every one of DDP's moves was just like, okay, yeah, this is what we're going to sub in with this. Kevin Nash is just such a big guy. Oh, my God, Kevin Nash moves so freaking slow in this match. Yeah. He is slow. You, you don't need to note in this match. It's just in general. He's so slow, period. He'll do one punch and then catch his breath and flip his hair and then do another punch. Like, but you got to speed up at least a little bit. And the amount of cheers that we were getting for Kevin Nash in this match, like, excited I love you cheers for Kevin Nash. Why? What is he doing? How does he have a fan base? He's not doing anything. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I hate it. I hate Kevin Nash. And I hate him in 2021, too. This isn't just 1999. So Nash tosses DDP into Bigelow on the apron and then rolls up DDP, but he kicks out, which... Felt weird for a seven-foot man to do, like, a desperation roll-up. Yeah. Nash then hits big boot on DDP, so Bigelow comes in and also gets a big boot, which then brings out Randy Savage again. What? Hold on. So, 
Let's let, let let's go back and count for a minute. All right, Randy Savage does not come out, but he does get booked in a match during one of the opening segments. Mm-hmm. He comes out during the Roddy Piper interview. He comes out for his match. He comes out during the Conan match. This match. So he interferes, or he's part of five segments of this show. Yeah. Ugh. It's Randy Savage's world. We're all just living in it. I almost wanted to die before Randy Savage came out, though, because commentary noted, like, literally seconds before Macho Man came out, that it was already 11 o'clock and they were overtime. So it's like, I swear to God, if you cut this... Oh, I was ready for Goldberg to come out right as they were going off the air. <laughs> Like, if you cut this for time, I'm going to scream because nothing has happened and you're going to cut it. Ugh. But yeah, as Macho Man comes out, DQ bell rings. So again, no finish to this match. I think there's got to have been like three matches on this card that ended in DQs. Yeah, it's not a great episode. Oh, no, really? (laughs) So the three beat down Kevin Nash, Proms Goldberg, Chance, he's not coming out. Savage and DDP hold Nash so Bam Bam Bigelow can hit a splash on him. The two of them just randomly vanish then. So Randy Savage stays in the ring. Yeah. And he puts lipstick all over Kevin Nash's face. Where did he get the lipstick? He got it from, uh, I think it was Gorgeous George gave it to him. Oh, okay. I missed that handoff. But just after he puts on the lipstick, my favorite moment of this episode happens. Yeah, so a fan gets in the ring and Savage just tackles him. And security gets in pretty quick. But Randy Savage gets one or two good shots he in on him. He grabs this kid, punches him at least twice, and then like he's so fired up, he feels like the security guard behind him, grabs a security guard, throws a punch before he realizes it's security, and they just like yeet the guy out of the ring. I loved that bit so much. Like the fact that Randy took this kid and beat the shit out of him. Like, yeah, you deserve it. It was my favorite bit of the night. Spoiler, best bit. Oh, yeah. it was so good. Because like in my notes, I just have, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then that's it for the end of the show. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to figure out whether or not this was like a plant or something, but it was like, no, he hit him way too stiff. I know that was a thing like some companies would occasionally do where you like, you would have a plant run in just as like a... This didn't feel like a plant. Just every now and again, it's like a, yeah, you know, you have somebody like fake fuck him up that way. It's like, this is why you do not do this. No, this didn't feel like a plant. This felt very real. Savage then resumes the beatdown afterwards. It kind of seemed like that He's was so meant to heated. be... Yeah, it almost seemed like that was to the end of the show, but then it ended awkwardly. So, so he it was had like, to finish. He's a professional, yeah. but he was so on fire. He was like angry and he like started like pacing around. He went to the commentary table and like kind of drawled at them a little bit. Yeah, he resumes to be down, hits a diving elbow, and then it just kind of looms around ringside as the show goes off the air. Such a good ending. I was obsessed with this end. <laughs> um. All right. And that's this episode of Nitro. Thoughts on the show? <laughs> uh, I guess... Actually, we should talk about, talk about the match. I mean, any notes on the actual match? Kevin Nash sucks. He's so fucking slow. I'm so tired of him. Ending was fantastic. I guess the other night's match was better, but not by much. Not by much. Yeah. This was this was a bad episode. Yeah. I was correct. You were correct. Yeah. Any, uh, th- any thoughts on the show besides it was bad? It's like, oh, wow. One year. Just one year episode. One year in of watching bad wrestling. We're still kicking, though. We're still doing it. Yeah. I'm just waiting for Vince Russo to come in and, like, really... We're literally, like, honestly, that's going to be, like, year two. It's start of year two. I'm so excited. Well, we're in year two. This is year two now. Is this this the season finale of year one, or is this the premiere of year two? I don't know. (laughs) Let me phrase that. At the end of year two, we will get Vince Russo, probably. Oh, really? You have to wait all the way? September. Fuck. Okay. But, yeah, so any other thoughts on the actual show as a whole before we uh, go to Best Bit and MVP? 
it was such a flair heavy episode that if you don't like Ric Flair, don't watch this episode. Well, he kind of, he does kind of disappear halfway through. Halfway through, yeah, but you have to get through the first half with him. Yeah, no, this show is a tag team match, and Ric Flair and and Randy Savage are partners, and it's just like, all right, you I take was, the first half, I'll, I'll take the second yeah, half. I was really tired of Randy Savage's interferences, too, throughout. Because they didn't feel scripted, particularly the Conan interference. It didn't feel like he actually knew why he was interfering. He didn't feel like he had a script or a story that he was following. He just was there. All right. Yeah. Let's Let's talk about the best bits and the MVP. All right, Emily, what is your best bit? Okay, I'm going to give it to the fan at the very end. That that run-in. Because I watched it so many times and I'm so obsessed with it. Honorable mention to the tag team match. That's what I'm giving mine to. Yeah. There's there's not much else of value on this show. Absolutely not. Which brings us to uh, MVP. I know you were struggling with this. Did I, you I, find one? I don't know. I'm like, I'm sifting back through my notes like, ah, oh, shit. Well, I have one. I'll start with mine. All right. I'm giving my MVP to Medusa because she impressed me. And she was the only one that, like, really impressed me in this show. I, I can't really struggle. <laughs> oh, you gotta God. pick one. You know what? I'm gonna pick a real random one here, oh, but I stand by it. I'm gonna mind to Finley. Why? With hack matches, it definitely seems to vary in quality depending on who he's with. And the more I think about it, like, yeah, that was pretty enjoyable, and I think that's down to Finley. Okay. So. I disagree, but like, okay. I mean, I. I it, Randy Savage was all over this show, so my gut was but almost to give it to him. It. But like, yeah, he, ugh, I, I, I'm tempted to say no one. I mean, yeah, Medusa, Medusa did well. Yeah, Medusa's one big spot. She completely fucked up. No, but she held her own in that match, and she impressed me. Yeah, and then almost broke Ric Flair's neck. Whatever. Who yeah, I honorable mention to Charles Robinson for getting his chest caved in. Oh my god, no! Honorable mention to that woman in the front row. Oh, jeez, we forgot about her. We didn't talk about her at all. She was dressed to the nines and having a great time. Looked wild. (laughs) She was front and center in every shot. I'm kind of surprised you can give your MVP to the fan for giving us that moment. No, because that was my best bit. Okay. Really, my best bit was Randy Savage beating the shit out of that guy. so good. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Bust in the Seeds podcast. Next up is an unfortunate episode. Uh, We're going to start with a little Owen Hart chat. We're probably going to watch a match of his just to kind of have a brief little chat, not dwell on it too much. Because he's not in WCW. This is not an Owen Hart podcast. Yeah, and and, you know, there's a lot better sources than our show if you want to learn more about that. Uh, But yeah, it'll be the May 24th, Monday Nitro. And we're on the road to the Great American Bash. Woo! Uh, until then, America. you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod. I would say you can follow us on Facebook. However, apparently Facebook is changing its name tomorrow. Wait, did what? you not see this? It's changing. Facebook's changing its name. They're announcing a whole brand like refresh. What? Also, listen to us on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Stitcher. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I don't think I have the any. One thank you for, the one-year episode. Thank you for sitting here bi-weekly with me for a whole year. With you. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking to the listeners. It's like No, I'm talking to you, Nick. <laughs> thank you, Nick, for sitting here with me 
basically bi-weekly for a whole year now and talking about wrestling. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you, Emily, and thank you to all the listeners. Thanks for uh, giving us a reason to kind of keep doing this. I know a lot of you mostly listen to just the uh, pay-per-view episodes, so you might not hear this. That's fine. But, uh, yeah, without you guys, there's not really a reason to do the show, so... uh, We are having fun with it regardless. For the past year and going forward, thank you for listening to the Bustin' Seeds Podcast.